0: Taking a detour today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 1, so if you want to join me there, I invite you to do that. Um, we, we're looking at this, it's called getting unstuck. All right. You ever feel stuck in life sometimes, where you're like, man, I just, I don't know what's going to change, but I'm in a hopeless situation or a helpless situation, there's nothing I can do to get out of this. Uh, sometimes we can find ourselves in a situation that someone else put us in that we had nothing to do with. And sometimes we can figure out, Hey, I put myself here, but either way we're, we're stuck. Whether we blame someone else or blame ourselves. Um, it's, it's easy if someone else put us in that situation to say, you know, this isn't fair, God, this isn't fair. I didn't deserve this. It's like the, the, I had a fender bender the other day and, um, it wasn't either of our faults, but the, car in front of me came to a complete stop when it shouldn't have because of a brake system alert in the car and she was like, I'm so sorry. She came to a stop and I bumped her uh, bumper which is good, bump bumpers uh, and so uh, minimal damage but still she, she got out and apologized. I'm so sorry I didn't mean to stop. But this stinking brake thing just stopped all its a sudden. I was like, that's yeah, alright. It's all right. it my fault I, I fall too close but I thought this is not fair. I wasn't doing anything wrong and she wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just not fair and it's a, a hassle for both of us but what about when you get yourself into a situation that you did and it, it is your fault? Like this fender bender I had the other day, I was following somebody too close and their brake system um, stopped them and I hit them and it was my fault, you know? See the same story, I, I switched it around? Okay, I thought that was clever and you did not. All right, so uh, either situ- that situation, I can look at it and say this isn't fair or I can look at it and say I was falling too close. I deserve the punishment. But either way you can get into situations like it's not fair, or I deserve this. And both of those are very unhealthy places to be spiritually. So how do we get unstuck? It may be partially true that you deserve it. It's partially true that it's not fair, but it's not the full truth. You have a choice to make in your life in moving forward. How you view things is consequential. You can ask yourself these questions. What's my attitude life when it Attitude like when it comes to my work? What's my attitude like when it comes to my school? You may have both of those going on in your life. I know I've had times where I was doing both. What's my attitude toward these things? Why do I feel stuck? What about health issues? What are my attitudes toward the health issues that I have? I'm not fair or I deserve this. What about relationships that you may be in that are having issues and that, you're that relationship is just struggling in this one or two areas? And what's your attitude toward that? Or what about that you want to be in a relationship and you're not in one? What's your attitude towards that? Finances. You feel maybe stuck in financial situations that are not fair or that you deserve. It's easy to to fall into an unhealthy cycle that will keep you stuck. And so the first step to getting unstuck is realizing I need to change the way I think about this. We're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 1, and so this is kind of past Joseph, and we're moving on uh, towards Israel, and you're going to see that God is a a redeeming God who takes his people who are stuck, and he gets them unstuck. And we're going to look briefly at um, at his situation. So I'm going to read Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 14, if you want to join me there. So this is the conclusion of Joseph's life. And Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. And they multiplied greatly, increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Remember, Joseph was in Egypt. He's not an Egyptian, but he walked like an Egyptian and talked like an Egyptian, right? He became uh, second in power there. And then when he died and all that favor had left, a new king came on the scene and didn't have that same favor towards Joseph and his family. Uh, so a new king, whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. So now the Israelites who um, were kind of favored people, he feels still, still threatened now. Pharaoh is like, uh-oh, this is... Uh, Since an uprising, they could overthrow us if we're not careful. So they're too numerous for us. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they uh, they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the Israelites, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly." When we get into a situation where we were stuck, it wasn't just Israel who was stuck in this situation now. Pharaoh found himself stuck. He's like, uh-oh, I don't like what's happening here. All these Israelites are multiplying. They're threatening my power. They're threatening our country. And so we start to rationalize. That's the first thing that you want to to, show, to, to do on here. Is that, is that even on here? I thought I did the... Oh, I need to go out and go back in. There we go. The first thing we do is we rationalize. This is what Pharaoh did. So you can find yourself in the story, like John said earlier, you can find yourself in the story like, oh, okay, maybe I identify with Pharaoh a little bit in this because things are changing, I'm losing control, and I'm starting to rationalize and starting to put my own plans into action. And so that's what Pharaoh started to do. He started to say, I'm fearful, I'm losing control, and he felt threatened, which led to arrogance. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to oppress these people. We can, um, and this wasn't really something that he had done either. He'd come into power. And this is something that was happening. And so he ignored the work of God and um, was even denying the word of, word, word of God. So let's keep going here so we don't get stuck in the, uh, in, in the weeds here. We're going to get unstuck. I'm having to scroll. Sorry, I'm scrolling through different apps um, on here, and I'm, I'm learning on the fly. Not quickly enough either. There we go. So, we're going to continue. He rationalized. So, in verse 15, here we go. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. All right, so this is some pretty bad stuff happening, right? The midwives, however, feared God And did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God... He gave them their he gave them families of their own. So two things happened here. Two examples. Pharaoh felt stuck and he rationalized. The uh, the temptation for them, for him, he succumbed to that and he started doing bad things. The midwives were told to do something too. They were stuck in a situation where they were told to do this terrible thing, to kill these babies if they were boys. And they instead, who do they fear instead of the Egyptians? It says they feared God, didn't it? And so he, they resisted. So you can rationalize, you can resist when you get stuck. I'm going to resist this temptation. I'm going to resist this opportunity to go and do things my own way and create a plan that I think may be beneficial for me. Or I'm going to resist that, and I'm going to go the way that God says to go. I'm going to fear God instead of fear the, the circumstances around me. And that's what these midwives had done. They chose to trust God instead of fearing man. They chose to trust God instead of fearing the consequences of what might happen. And that's a rightful fear. I I believe it's in Proverbs 16 or one of the Proverbs, probably in several actually. uh, I know it is. That the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is what is important. And so the fear of God is what got them upstuck and unstuck, not upstuck. The fear of God got them unstuck. And so we don't want to have a life free from fear. We want to have fear, which is a real thing, to be properly focused and have this fear, this awe, this reverence of who God is, and make sure that our fear is motivated us to follow God, whereas fear of uh, the other things will paralyze us and cause us not to do anything. So, the question you have to ask for yourself is this What is it that controls you in your life? I mean, we can say as, as Christians, I'm a Christian. It's very easy to say that and be respected, even in New York City. It's not a, a Christian place. It's not Christian friendly. If you're really following Jesus, it's not a, a an incubator for uh, for your faith to help you grow in that. It goes against the culture so many ways. But you can just say, "Oh, I'm a Christian," and that's respectable. But who is your king? Who is your lord? Like, who do you really follow? Do you follow Jesus? Or is it just a checkbox in your dating app, right? I'm looking for a Christian. It's not really that important. What is it that controls me? What areas have I ceded control like Pharaoh did to the wrong kind of fear? And where do I need to step out of that? Just turn away from it and step out. That's what repentance is. You know, it's a change of direction. Where do I need to just say, this is not a healthy fear I'm rationalizing what I think is happening in the world, in my life, in these relationships, in my finances, in the work. It's not a healthy fear. What I need to do is redirect my fear. Because the only way for you to get unstuck is for your focus to be shifted over to Christ. It really is the only way for you to be unstuck. When you find yourself frustrated over and over and over, it's a warning light. And I've been warned a lot this week because I felt frustrated in a few different areas. It's a warning light that I'm trying to do things my way. Uh, I was waiting, this was a super frustrating thing, and it was almost comical if it weren't so frustrating. It's funny now, I'll probably laugh a little bit. But I was driving Uber, now here's an Uber story for you. And so I ended up in Newark Airport. I dropped someone off and I had to go to the, the I don't have to, but you go to the parking lot over there and you wait for people to come in and you take them back to the city, okay? And I looked at the app, and it said one to five cars, and then 30 to 35 cars for New York City. I'm like, oh, that's not very many. I'll maybe wait 30 minutes or so, and then I'll be able to go back to the city. Well, by the time it took me 10 minutes to get to the lot, there were 60 cars in front of me now. I'm like, all right, well, it's still better to wait here because if you go back empty, you know, you have to pay for tolls and yada, yada, yada. And so I waited, and like in five minutes, it went down to 55. Another five minutes, fifty, I'm like, oh, this is gonna go pretty fast. That's good. 45, 40. Cool. So I walked around the parking lot for a little bit. And then an hour passed and it was still at like 30. And it took two and a half hours before I got a ride. And, and about an hour and a half into this, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And I was like, and I was like, all right, I guess I need to pray. And that was my, my thought. I was like, okay, I guess i going to pray. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I was like, I wish my Bible were in here. And I looked and I was like, oh, it is still in here. It's, it's good. So I pulled out the Bible and I started doing some journaling and prayers. And one of the things I wrote down was uh, God just really put it on my heart that I can't control when I get that call for the next Uber ride. So why am I so upset over it? Like, I was like, blood pressure was up, right? You know, it was affecting... I was so frustrated by this one thing that I couldn't even see the other driver sitting next to me that I could have had a conversation with. I could have blessed his day. I was so focused on what I was frustrated. I was missing on opportunities around me. I was so frustrated by what was happening in my life that really didn't seem fair to wait that long for a a, a ride, honestly, because, I mean, I'm sitting watching planes land after one. I feel like the app's messed up or something, right? But still... I'm so focused on this that I can't see anything else. And I started praying more, and I thought this would be good because, you know, when I pray, thank you, Jesus, I'll get a parking spot, right? It it took even longer. I felt like, God, I feel like you're punishing me now. I'm trying to do the right thing, make this tick down faster so I can get that ride. But I think looking back and replaying that in my mind, I believe what God was doing was forcing me to slow down. I struggle with that. Like I want to do things. I think some of you struggle with that too. We were talking, I think last night at dinner, it's hard uh, just to to sit and, I want to be busy, I want to be doing something. And what God is doing is wanting us to slow down a lot of times and spend time with Him. What's controlling you? what's driving you when you're doing things your way at least a frustration it's a warning light what happened here when Pharaoh was stuck is that he made bad choices the midwives when they were stuck resisted those bad choices and actually went against the grain in ways that threatened their lives, but God still blessed them for it. They resisted. What did Jesus do when he was stuck? Well, Jesus surrendered to his control, instead of taking control like Pharaoh did. He surrendered control. In Luke chapter twenty-two, we see Jesus as he's getting ready to go to the cross. He say it says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed and he prayed father if you're willing take this cup from me father if you're willing remove this problem remove this obstacle in front of me and his problem was a a large one it wasn't just the excruciating consequence or, or, or circumstances of the cross it wasn't just that that was happening to him it was the wrath of god that he was facing it was our judgment that he was facing and he's like, if you can remove this, take this from me. But he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. He surrendered his control. How do you get unstuck? You surrender your control. Lord, this, this really is frustrating. But I'm not going to allow it to ruin my day or ruin my opportunity around me. I'm going to give you control. I really want you to fix this problem. I really want to get a ride soon so I can make money for my family because I'm not making money here. I really want this business deal to go through. I really want this new job. I really want this new whatever it is. But Lord, more than that, in this moment, I'm giving you control. I'm giving you control. I'm surrendering that to you because the opposite of surrendering control is seizing control. And that's what Pharaoh did. And many times that's what we do. We don't surrender. We seize. Instead of seize the day, we seize control. We want to have that control. And while it might not lead to the extreme that it did with Pharaoh, here's what he did when he seized control. Then Pharaoh (laughs) gave this order to all his people. He said, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, which is a river, but let every girl live. So even though the midwives were successful in following and they God blessed them, it didn't make the problem go away, did it? And Pharaoh upped the ante and he said, I'm going to make an edict for all people. Throw the baby boys in the river. He seized control. And while we might not hopefully do something so extreme, we need to be careful because sometimes what we choose to do is, is sinful and it's wrong. And it hurts other people. And it may not be murder, but it can cause a lot of harm. Instead of bringing God's kingdom, we can bring hurt. Surrender control the way Jesus did. When you find yourself in that situation, pray the same thing. Father, if you're willing to take this, fill in the blank from me. Take it away. If you're willing, do it. But Father, not my will, but yours be done that will get you unstuck. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you so much for the way that you minister to us even in this moment that you remind us of the the great work that you have done for us on our behalf. And Lord, I want to bless each person who is here today and even those who are not, Lord, but especially for those who are here right now. Lord, speak to them in a powerful way. Touch their hearts and help them to take that next step of faith in you, even as we speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.